This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of James, James three thirteen through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Please pray with me. Lord God, help us turn our hearts to you and hear what you will speak. For you speak peace to your people through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, good morning. Today we are going to be continuing the sermon series we kicked off uh, earlier in the summer entitled Straight Talk. And we're looking at the book of James. We're calling it Straight Talk because that's the kind of guy that James was. He was Jesus' brother. He was a very practical, pragmatic guy. He kind of just told it like it was, uh, and he didn't pull punches. And so far, in, we've, we're, as we've worked our way through his book, it's five short chapters, and we're in chapter three today. Uh, it, it, as you read through the, his words, they're almost like a, a little bit of a, a brace of smelling salts. It kind of gets your attention. It kind of wakes you up, almost like a, a shock to your senses, because he just, he just gets in your face and says, this is what real faith looks like. This is what genuine faith looks like. He says, real faith in the midst of suffering you show your faith by how you handle the suffering. You can even rejoice sometimes in the midst of suffering. He says real faith, real faith looks at the word of God, hears it, but they also turn around. That person turns around and then does what they hear. He talks about other things as well. But then last week in, in chapter three, uh, Pastor Jim taught from the first part of chapter three and, and talked about how our words, our, our, our mouths, our tongues, we are to use them. If we have real faith, we are to use our words to encourage people, to to build them up, to honor God, to honor other people, to love them, and not to slander or to libel or or deceive or or manipulate with our words. Well, today James gets on our face again, and he tells us, be wise. Doesn't seem too challenging, does it? Be wise. I mean, we all want to be wise. He says, be wise, don't be foolish. Seek God's wisdom, seek to live out God's wisdom and not the ways and wisdom of the world. So let's jump right into it. James chapter 3. And, and while you're turning there, if you want to, in James chapter 3, I want to give you a heads up. We're going to be pairing the second half of the message with the words that were written by the wisest man who's ever lived, we're told, King Solomon, and some of his words in Proverbs about wisdom as well. So we're going to start with the first part of James. So what is a wise person? What do they look like? We often think of a wise person as you know, kind of a, a wise old man or woman, kind of a, they, they, you know, kind of weathered a little bit. They've, they've been through the ringer. They've experienced all sorts of things. They, they, they kind of know how life works and how faith works and, and they're, and they're wiser because of it. Maybe that's what you think of. Or maybe you think of a, a really smart person, a high IQ, highly educated, well-read, well-traveled, knows a lot about anything and everything, can win any trivia contest that he enters or she enters. What does a wise person look like? James asks this question, who is wise and understanding among you? 
Now notice the word that James adds to wise. He pairs understanding, wise and understanding. Why would he do that? Because wisdom is always, always connected with understanding. You can know something, but not understand it. For example, I have a son who's an actuary. I can memorize some of the complex math formulas that he uses for his job and to pass his tests and so on and so forth. I can memorize them. I can sort of know them. But if I don't understand them, if I can't explain them to somebody else, if I, if I can't properly use them for how they're intended, I don't, I don't really, I don't really under, I, I don't understand. It's all information. It's, it's not useful. Knowledge without understanding is not wisdom. I mean, I can be really smart. I can be really educated. I can be well-read and well-traveled, but if I don't understand what I've experienced, I'm not wise. I've just had a lot of experiences, a lot of education. Let's take another step. I can know something. I can understand it. I can even know how to apply it. But if I don't apply it, what's the point? It's useless. The Bible calls somebody like this, who knows something, who understands something, who knows how to apply it, but doesn't, the Bible calls that person a fool. Let's think of it this way. If I know, for example, that if I drink a fifth of vodka every night before I go to bed, that it's eventually going to kill me, that it's not good for me. If I know that and I know medically why it will kill me and how it will kill me, if I have a medical degree and I understand addictions counseling, I could teach a course on the whole thing, but I still go ahead and do it anyway. If I know that drinking water and exercising will lead to a longer and healthier life, but I don't do that, I'm not wise. I'm very knowledgeable, but I don't apply what I know. I'm a fool. Think of it another way. Different scenario. I can know that holding a grudge is not good for me. That it's not good for me relationally. It's not good for me mentally or emotionally or psychologically. It's not good for me spiritually. It's not even good for me. It's not even good for me physically. I mean, studies actually show that bitterness has all sorts of negative consequences for a person. I mean, it can literally eat us from the inside out. And I can know this intellectually. I can see the effects of bitterness in the lives of other people. How it maybe drives people away. It, it hinders and hearts their, their relationships. How it makes them unhappy and unhealthy. I can know all of this. I can know the best thing to do, the better thing to do is to forgive and to move on. But if I don't do it, I'm not wise. No matter how intelligent, if I don't apply what I know to be true and healthy, healthy and helpful, I'm a fool. Okay, let's take a break. That's pretty hard stuff, right? I mean, it's like, like James just kind of slaps us upside the head and says, hey, pay attention. Pay attention. You're, you're inconsistent here. You're a hypocrite here. Match up your beliefs and your actions and your attitudes. Match them up with your life and your faith. He's right, though, isn't he? I mean, think about some of you love and they persist in doing something that they know is not good for them. Doesn't it frustrate you? Think about how they feel if you're that person. They love you and you keep doing something that's unhealthy or self-destructive or, or stupid and, and you know better, but you keep doing it. How frustrating is that for them? How frustrated do we get with ourselves? When we do that, knowledge without application, the scripture tells us, is foolishness. 
And we're all guilty of it, right? We all have a little bit of hypocrite in us. We're not always, we all have a little bit of inconsistency. Back to James. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So here's another pairing, another connection that, that James makes here. He starts with wisdom and understanding. Okay. And now he says wisdom and humility. Wisdom and humility. And, and what is a person who's humble? What does that look like? It's not kind of, oh, gee, yeah, shucks, kind of false modesty, is it? No. A humble person is not someone who thinks they're worse than other people. A humble person is someone who doesn't think they're better than others. A humble person is marked by graciousness and by mercy and by service. A humble person knows that all of life is a gift from God. And a humble person then lives in response to that grace by loving God and loving others, just like Jesus Christ did. A truly wise person is always humble. You know, I was fortunate to have known all four of my grandparents. I didn't lose my first one until I was in my mid-twenties. Uh, they weren't perfect people, but they, I really was blessed by knowing them. They, they loved Jesus. They worked hard. They knew what was important in life. And even though none of them went to college... And in fact, I'm not sure any of them finished high school. There was a humility and a wisdom that was very, very evident to me. You see, the experiences of life had taught them much. Their faith in Jesus had shaped them. And they lived out their faith. Not perfectly, mind you, none of us do. But they lived out their faith. They applied what they knew. And they became wise. I'm sure you know people like that. What else does James say about wisdom? He does sort of a contrast next. In verse, 20, in verse 14, he gives us a warning. He says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. So what's he doing here? Did you see what he did? He's saying true wisdom does not deny reality. It, it faces the truth. True wisdom sees a problem. A person's got envy or selfishness. Or we can add lust or pride or, or anger or, or jealousy or whatever. We can add those things as well. And the implication is a wise person will, will name that. They'll face it and then they'll do something about it. If I know something is wrong and it's a problem and I deny that it is, I'm not wise. Wisdom does not deal in denial. Verse 15. Here's the contrast coming up. Such wisdom, he kind of does it in air quotes, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. And then he does a contrast. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. It's quite a list. Pure, Loves peace, thoughtful, serves other people, merciful, does good things, is fair, and is sincere. And so a person can have a lot of knowledge, I guess. They can understand it. They can actually even apply it. But if they apply it for their own benefit, if they apply it to manipulate, if they apply it to get a leg up, 
and they don't see purity in their life or peace, consideration, service, mercy, so on and so forth. That's not wisdom from heaven. That's not wisdom from God. So let's boil this down a little bit. Let's, let's turn to Solomon and see what he has to say in Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Pretty straightforward. Believing that God exists, having a healthy respect for him is the origin of, 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 of wisdom, right? It's starting the path towards wisdom. But James tells us in chapter 2 that, that the devil and demons believe that God exists. So there must be more to wisdom than that. Listen to what he says in Proverbs 3. This is a passage I memorized back in high school, maybe even earlier than that, and I've always thought it's a, a great verse to kind of guide you and direct you and keep you centered. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Or he will make your path straight. It's very simple, isn't it? But it gets to the heart of what we all need. We have this need for, for guidance, for, for, for wisdom. What is the right thing to do? What path should I walk down? Who should I walk that path with? When should I walk that path? So on and so forth. Uh, all of us have these questions. Uh, who am I supposed to marry? What college am I supposed to go to? Should I go back to school for my master's? Should I trap for cheerleader? The answer for me would be no. What courses should I take next semester? What do you want me to do, Lord? Direct my path. Give me wisdom. Now, there are five key words I want to pull out of here real quickly. And I think as we look through them, it's going to unlock sort of a little bit more the message of, of, of Solomon here. The first word is trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And the, the word in Hebrew means it has this idea of you, you put your whole body weight upon something. You spread out, spread eagle. You lay on something like a bed or, or maybe a floating mattress on the water or something. You, you put all of your weight. You don't hold yourself up. There's no, no extra help. You just lay yourself completely on it, trusting completely in that to hold you up. Trust in the Lord with everything you are. Lay your whole weight, your whole life upon him. The second word is lean. Lean not to your own understanding. Lean. Now, lean means kind of you're partially being supported. Does that contradict what we just said about trust? No. Uh, Leaning on something is, is something you do when you know, you understand that you are not strong enough to stand alone, like when you use a cane or a, or a walker or you have somebody else's arm to hold you up. The third word is understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. And, of course, understanding has to do with our, our mental abilities, you know, how we process and think, how we solve problems, how we, the perspective we have, and so on and, and so forth. And so when you take the word lean and you put it with the word understanding and you use the negative not, lean not on your own understanding. It's something like this. Use all of your mental powers, but do not lean on them for total support. Don't trust in your own ability, in other words, to figure out your life. Lean and set on the Lord. Rest your weight upon him. The fourth word is, is acknowledge. And I want to say a little bit more about this one. Acknowledge. It, 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 the Hebrew word gives you the sense of in everything, in all your ways, know God deeply. Now, there's two ways you can know somebody. Well, there's more than two, but two basic ones. 
you can know about somebody. You know, you can you can explain something about them, but you don't know them personally. Like I can say, I know LeBron James. I know who he is. If he walked in the door, I'd recognize him. If I saw him on TV, I'd say that's LeBron James. I would be able to tell you he is one of the greatest players ever. I could tell you that I know him, but I don't know him really. I know about him, but if I called him up, he wouldn't take my call, right? I don't know him intimately. But there's the other way of knowing, and that's, that's what the scripture is trying to get to here. I know my wife really well. We've been married over 30 years. We've known each other for a few years before that. And we know each other really, really well. I mean, there's still surprises here and there, but we can typically predict how the other person is going to respond, what's going to encourage them, what's going to maybe irritate them, you know, um, maybe how they're going to feel or think or what their priorities are going to be or, or whatever it might be. We, can, we know each other so well that we can typically do that. And that's usually a good thing. Um, but I can't get away with anything anymore. So that's, that's the downside to it. But, but that's the idea that, that, that um, Solomon's getting across to us here. You could translate it this way. In all your ways, know God personally, intimately, deeply, because when you know God that way in every area of your life, he will make your paths straight. Now, we often talk about life as a journey. We have this metaphor, it's a journey, right? You have a beginning, you have an ending, you have everything in between, you have bumps, you have challenges, you have barriers. There's times when the road is washed out, there are times when you get lost and you have a detour. There are times when it feels like it's a dead end, right? Maybe, you, maybe you're there today, maybe you're experiencing that or feeling that about your life. Maybe you've been there uh, in the past. But what... But what um, Solomon is telling us here is that God promises us when we when we seek to know God in every area of our life, if we seek his wisdom and his guidance, he will take responsibility to direct our paths, to remove the barriers, to help us through that detour, to take what seems to be a dead end and get us to where he wants us to be and where we ultimately we want to be and, and, and need to be. And all we are called to do is to trust in the Lord to lean not on our own human understanding into all our ways to know him intimately. As we seek to do this, something's going to begin to develop in our lives. You know what that is? Wisdom. As we trust him, as we take the knowledge we have and we apply it, we're going to become wiser. We're going to have greater understanding. We're going to experience peace, we're going to grow in humility. So let's end this in typical kind of James language. Don't be a fool. Don't walk around with a head full of knowledge, not doing anything with it. Take what you know and apply it rightly. Learn some more and apply it rightly. Learn some more and apply it rightly. Repeat the cycle over and over and guess what's going to happen? God will make your path straight. He will direct you and you will grow in wisdom and understanding and experience the peace of being right exactly where he wants you to be. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your word. We thank you for your spirit and how your spirit works in our lives to direct convict, to challenge, to shape, to mold, to encourage. Lord, we come to you and we confess that, that there are areas where we are not doing what we should do. We're not applying the knowledge that we've been given. 
And we ask for your forgiveness. We know better. Father, help us to become wiser. Uh, Help us to grow in that trust that we need to have in you. Uh, And Lord, as we do so, we just pray that you would would direct our paths. We, We thank you, Father, for the words of James. And we pray that we would not leave here having words go in one ear and out the other. But that we'd be hearers and doers. And that we would take what we know is right and good. And that we would apply it. In Jesus' name, amen.